0: Everybody. Welcome to Game on Blockchain. I'm your host, James from blockchaingaming.biz, and with me today we have Oscar Clark. Oscar Clark, welcome.
1: Hey James, how you doing?
0: I know I should probably uh, say Oscar as opposed to Oscar Clark, but I've gotten into the swing of it now, so I figured why not, uh, why not why just continue not, the please? momentum? Well,
1: yeah, I'm not quite famous enough to be known by just one name yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think it's, it's a sign of a great deal of extra like celebrity status if you're able to be known over, either by just one name or if you get the put in front of
1: it that's the yeah kind of, mean, my, my case is the hat isn't
0: it oh yeah <laughs> it is i think that's one thing you certainly know if you've been chosen Stop. if you've
1: worn your hat exactly
0: <laughs> so i mean one of the reasons that i wanted to get you on today is because you'd recently come back from gdc and more specifically you'd been hosting its next door neighbor the disruptive next door neighbor we should say which was blockchain game next
1: Absolutely. It's been a really exciting kind of session. I mean, we had uh, Tron and Coco sponsoring it. Uh, We had huge numbers of people sign up, and great audiences. So uh, yeah, it was a fantastic event. Marvellous stuff. And
0: we were doing that one in in conjunction with Tron and Coco's BCX, and it consisted of a number of people, those that had travelled all the way from the UK to those that are a bit more... San Francisco way incline. So, I mean, what were the particular standouts for you during that event?
1: Well, there's, there's a whole bunch. I mean, obviously, um, as I was hosting, I got to sort of sit on stage for most of the of the time, or at least off, just slightly off stage. Um, you know, when you start off with um, uh, Brett uh, Sailor from 40 talking uh, about the fund that they've kicked off, but what was particularly interesting is the approach he was taking, to talking about all of... Chain within games. Um, I mean, it's not maybe a new argument, but it's the the way that he put together the argument around effectively changing the way free to play works. Um, because at the moment, if you think about most games, economies, um, someone like me tries to design them. And we tell you how much something will cost and how much something is worth and how much uh, availability of that object there will be. You know, it could be gold, could be wood, could be food, whatever. One of the sort of interesting angles that blockchain offers is that some of those resources can actually be individual assets, as in, you know, blockchain assets, which means that their availability could be dependent on other factors, you know, price being one of them. So instead of us saying how much gold is worth in our game, our users, our players, can actually own the gold farms and determine the value of gold in those markets i think that's a really kind of interesting way of thinking about it rather than the sort of command economy of a traditional game design we had the opportunity to bring in innovation by having a more mixed economy with some combination of gameplay design and blockchain so to me, that I found it really fascinating because when I was looking at Reality Clash, for example, which is the uh, first-person shooter that was funded by blockchain, uh, I had to think about the design of a token. And I was very much in the command economy side, so I, I designed these old artifacts, which essentially – well, we're working with the team – was a weapon it had stats embedded in the in the json that was formed the token uh, we had serial numbers this was before there were non-fungible tokens by the way um and you think about all of those kind of components they were very much what we decided but what's interesting is how free that market can now be with the value and cost of that of that weapon of that gun in the game uh so I, I'm kind of witnessing some of that as I see the game go go, go live in soft launch. Um, but it really opened my mind to thinking much more deeply, much more profoundly. And I wonder how this economy model will affect smart contracts and how that might affect game design. So, yeah, fascinating, fascinating stuff.
0: It certainly is. I mean, that was one of the things that really was a standout for me Is, is uh, was Brett Saylor's initial comment about the planned economy or the directed economy that is more of a centralized model and yeah. just how much of a potential i mean as we go into 2019 we're certainly going to see a lot more in the way of real use cases for blockchain concepts so we're going to see this free market or mixed economy really uh, get the acid test so to speak and i think really from what we've seen of initial successes from gen zero games like crypto kitties we can yeah. certainly say that it's going to get some nominal traction at the very least if not a lot of activity And going back to it as well, I mean, Forte Labs' recent partnership and creation of this $100 million fund in itself was really interesting, too, because they've got a bit of a, as you said, novel approach towards who they're looking at, really, for game titles and who they're interested in funding. So I think in general, the, the market that they're looking at is about... Anyone that has a an active user base of about 50,000, and then they're going to work with them in order to create a, a blockchain backed NFT marketplace. So, that in itself is kind of interesting. So, it is.
1: I think scale is definitely seems to be an underlying question uh, that came up at the event. I mean, if you look at what Roy, Roy Liu was talking about from Tron Arcade, ah, yeah. um, you know, when he talked about. Um, uh BitTorrent um and project alice uh I, I hadn't i wasn't aware of project alice beforehand but the idea of moving block uh, BitTorrent across to um a blockchain uh you know environment it, it should bring millions of users potentially into the blockchain space. I mean, whatever you think about kind of the various uses of of BitTorrent, there is a profoundly useful approach that's going on in terms of, you know, legitimate delivery of of assets. And the fact that there happens to be millions of people using it on a regular basis is incredibly important from the point of view of the growth of this sector. So I think you know, as you said, you know what Brett's talking about, what uh, Roy was talking about, what other people were talking about, including the way the uh, Cocos Bcx team were talking about the the rise of insta games and the potential the blockchain brings to allow us to do really interesting things with assets with those kind of games. We, we're really seeing people waking up to the fact that blockchain has been relatively small in terms of its impact, in terms of numbers of people, but the big challenge is to make that larger, whether it's through improve UI or these initiatives which are about targeting smarter use of blockchain with existing audience-based games.
0: No, absolutely. It is very much a case of Coming to understand whereabouts we are within the marketplace and how we can kind of take that one forward. So, with that in mind, we were thinking about just how blockchain can go ahead and instigate this ideal mass market adoption going forwards. I mean, we'd found that with South by Southwest and including a, I think with GDC in general with blockchain discussions, there was a an understanding, or at least in the mind of like writers like Dean Takahashi, that we've used this year to walk away from the high-minded optimism of 2017 2018 and it started to really look for real use cases and instead have the emphasis be on engaging with a very seamless user experience and user interface were those kind of themes that were at what we'll discuss during Games Next?
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean I mean it's interesting when you talk about um, this sort of stage one versus later stages. I mean, we had uh, my friend Mickey who's at uh CryptoKitties now, uh, talking about the kind of experiences that they have and comparing that with some of the other people who are doing for example the you know, the guys at Pixel are doing, you know, three D voxel based real you know, quote unquote real games. And it's interesting when you think about it from the point of view of you know, essentially, what we saw was collectibles rather than games. Arguably, but what's profoundly interesting and the lessons learned in that era, it was that this is an object which somebody had autonomy over. They had some control over the outcome. Uh, you know, they did something and they got a cat that was unique to their conditions. That's actually quite an interesting way to to sort of think about what that early stage uh, kind of game was about. Uh, whereas if you look at something like, um, you know, uh, uh, the... The role of a blockchain within the sandbox it's probably more about ensuring that content creators get some reward or some recognition for their behaviour creating materials so there's such an array of more practical use cases that are being talked about now but they're probably built off the shoulders of the experiences that we've seen so far, these high minded idealistic kind of principles actually revealed quite a lot of information about what we might do with this kind of technology.
0: That is fantastic. And, I mean, we're, we're certainly not an industry that is running a deficit on ideas. There are a lot of innovative concepts that are coming forward especially with this year. I mean, a number of them, one being the Sandbox, Pixels, Sebastian Bourget, who has been to a couple of our conferences, and he's, he's never short on things to say when it comes to the, the influence of NFTs in the gaming ecosystem.
1: Yeah, NFTs came up quite a lot. Um, it's obviously interesting um, because I, when we were doing the Reality Clash game, we didn't have that as an option, uh, although the, the game is actually transfer, um, yeah, migrating to be NFT-based. Um, but it's really interesting sort of seeing the different variations and, and rules. And thats I feel like we're, we're sort of distilling out. The, and increasingly, the, the, the speakers on the panel, various panels uh, were saying – that they see nfts as the real future of blockchain not not currency um, this idea that you can, you know, you know, non-transferable assets is an incredibly powerful concept and we, we were really just scratching at the surface of what direction that will take when we were sort of asking about what people wanted from blockchain, it was all really focused around how people could apply the lessons of NFTs in terms of various games experiences um, I wonder if that's a symptom of where we are with the kind of um, the bull market that we had and uh, you know, although obviously recent weeks you know, we've seen a little bit of change in the pricing of um, the cryptocurrencies, but um, essentially we have it's in a very extended period of time of a of a uh, difficulty with currency. I wonder if that's affecting people's uh, under you know their thinking. Uh, I do think we're, we're long past the time of a of a white paper leading to an ICO leading to lots of money and then you make up your mind what you're going to make I do think we are going to have to be you know increasingly professionalized when it comes to delivering um, you know gaming experiences but what I found really fascinating is how many people in the room are looking at this as a, a you know kind of it's a toolkit from which to build really interesting technology ideas that happen to be great games. And I think we're starting to see the shift from looking at it as a technology and more as a user experience. In mean, particular, if you look at the that they take, reducing the uh, time overload to, um, to do the transaction to make that simpler uh, you know there, there's a whole bunch of good positive things happening there
0: i can certainly agree with you there and it, it does go to show the kind of underlying uh, psychology of the blockchain space to understand just how they're approaching and how they have approached the bearish market during like during the like entirety of 2018 and it goes to show they get yeah. the edison mindset so it's a very optimistic yes. sort of space in that sort of way and I think as a result I mean we're, we're starting to see and we have seen a, a good amount of blockchain game titles that have have started moving away from a, a dedicated approach toward a blockchain solution and, and one that is more agnostic in nature so it does go to show that they're looking at blockchain as a as a medium with which to convey it to an audience as opposed to it being the the entire project
1: no exactly and i think when you see funds like you know forte and um you know trom's fund and you see sesame seed you know there's a whole bunch of people are showing that there is a definite kind of commitment to delivering you know, really, yeah, you know, really interesting experiences, and money to back that up. You know, there there is money there, uh, which obviously any game developer needs in order to make the kind of um, uh, experience happen. Uh, and I felt really kind of um, lucky to be in the you know, middle of that audience because they had a cr- quite a crowd in, in the in the room um, of such a mix of people who were kind of, as Brett put it um, blockchain curious which I, I find a hilarious phrase um, you know, alongside the kind of the veterans you know, the people who've been doing it for a while alongside people who were coming at it from a kind of uh, almost sceptical position um, You know, we did have people there, you know Willing to have a debate um, and a, you know and to question the the validity. I mean, at the end of the day, I am, I've always taken the view that blockchain is essentially something of value where you have a distributed market. But that became you know interestingly less uh, clear as we had more and more conversations about it. So um, it's hard to sort of put your finger on it, but when you sort of see what people are trying to do. The way you know, you know, for example, it might be a decentralised giving away, you know, free land uh, to get people to start entering the blockchain space, or it might be um, an investor putting one hundred million pound, uh, one hundred million dollars, sorry, fund together in order to create uh, apps on, on a or dApps, I should say, on a platform. Um, you know, you're really talking about an incredible change in in momentum. So rather than, like you say, based on the hypothetical, it feels to me like we're kind of getting serious.
0: It does indeed. And we can certainly see that with a number of the projects out there and just how investors and even those who are blockchain curious, how they're approaching the ecosystem in general. We are far less inclined to just take the the bare minimum of information. We need to see something more tangible and really that's a that's a net positive for the blockchain space. It means that people are taking it seriously.
1: Yeah, and I think another thing, apart of kind of what I was saying earlier but that's important, is this real understanding that, uh, you know, if we're going to get this right, we have to learn lessons from previous um, game markets and free-to-play and games of service are kind of key parts of that. Mm. Um, I, what I don't want to do is confuse the two. They are different experiences with different uh, objectives. Um, but, the lessons of running an economy are very transferable. The understanding of what blockchain can do in terms of creating a logical-based platform from which your game experience can build, and whether that's creating an asset that you use exclusively in your game or, or across multiple games, that's still to be proven out. But it seems that people really kind of, resonate with the idea that they could actually uh, kind of connect games together in a smart ways. The trouble is, of course, getting a sort of frame of reference this sort of uh, ecosystem that allows that to happen is more complicated and and maybe that's where things like instant games really offer opportunity because it's an area which is less controlled by uh, the kind of app stores therefore there are probably fewer um barriers to entry and actually this is kind of where cocos Uh, A tool suite, having you know quite a strong uh, background in that kind of platform, and integrating blockchain directly into it, I think you know definitely offers some interesting opportunities.
0: It really does, and. I'm genuinely thrilled to see what kind of potential that allows to manifest over these next few points of 2019. Now, we we touched yeah. initially, um, albeit briefly, on the concept of games as a service. Now, uh, one of the bits of news that did come out quite recently, while you were at, I think, as you were coming back from GDC, was the announcement of Google Stadia, the uh, cloud-based, yes. like on-demand sort of games system, and. It was one of the things that had come up, albeit briefly, with blockchain discussions quite recently. And it was mostly just considering... Considering the fact that there are blockchain game solutions out there that make use of cloud-based computing in order to provide the similar kind of thing, we've seen the likes of—I like, don't know if it's like Theta, if it's with PlayKey and Play to Live—they already have concepts together like that. But I mean, what does the introduction of something like Google Stadia and even the potential arrival of a Walmart-based solution too, what does that mean for those those blockchain? competitors does it mean that they're entirely out of step or do they stand a chance in that kind of market
1: well i mean i missed the actual announcement itself and ironically i kind of got my details from my old boss at playstation which is kind of funny oh. um but it's it's kind of interesting i've read about it around it as well so it's not i'm not going to say what he said exactly but what's interesting is um there's a lot left out the announcement ah yeah. yeah, and in particular we don't know what performance bandwidth you need. Uh, I don't think it's been announced about this since. Uh, and We don't know what pricing strategies there are. And I'm kind of nervous when people say it's the Netflix of gaming because whilst Netflix is a very fine model and I'm a very um, avid user of it, as a business strategist, there are limitations with a, s- a flat subscription fee model. Uh, and in fact, I really don't think that's necessarily a good thing. Now we don't know that's what they're going to do, but that's kind of the implication. I think, is, you know, particularly when you've got, you know, how are they going to handle it? one account on multiple devices across the house? I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but I do, I do think it's really interesting. The other thing I think is complicated is mode of use. Yeah. So. One of the things I spend a lot of time teaching people about game design is to think about the mode of use of the device. So if you think about a mobile phone, the kinds of interfaces we have with it, the opportunities that we'll put out of our pocket, I mean, basically, it's the the device everybody plays in the toilet with. And that has effects on the way we tend to consume content. It tends to be, needs to be interruptible. Whereas when I'm sat on my sofa with my console, I don't have to be necessarily uh, worried about being interrupted every five minutes. So I think thinking about the challenges of that approach is really important from a game designer point of view. So I'm hopeful that Google have learnt lessons from Uh, you know the way this flat subscription model works and have opportunities for games to offer upsell in some various forms i mean upsell in a way that gives more value to the player as well as obviously a revenue opportunity for the developer um again it's always going to be about love for the game it's always going to be about rewarding players and giving them value for money um but essentially you know that's they're the two major concerns I have um and I'll add to that the fact that I don't have necessarily I've got amazing broadband in theory uh but it's very unreliable um so I might have on paper 350 megabits per second which sounds amazing doesn't it It, and yet the reality is that some of the time I've got two and I can't guarantee at any moment my Alexa will work let alone a a, high performing gaming experience so we're in interesting kind of territory, which is we have a, um, a lot of drive towards the always-on internet, but we don't actually have a f- sufficient coverage of always-available internet. So I, I think there are challenges ahead. I think you know I do think Stadia is an amazing announcement, and I'm, I'm really pleased to hear of it. It's kind it seems to be promising what we've been expecting for you know well, ten years. Really, um, I mean, as somebody who worked, um, you know, I'm I'm not surprised we're watching this now. In fact, I was at Real Networks in 2000, and we were talking about streaming games back in the day so it's an incredibly exciting experience i think it's it's great that it's not device you know um dependent the technology approach can work um but i worry about the business model and the idea of the sort of terminal style computing model which hasn't always paid off you know when we've got devices with such capability to do local rendering um how do we make sure that you get the right performance at the right point of contact with the player? Mm.
0: I think that's I think that's one of the key issues that they have just there, and I think that's it's a fundamental issue that any kind of game streaming solution would have. I mean, the application of cloud computing, as we know, yeah, you and I both know, requires that reliable internet connection, and I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether or not it was disclosed by some other journalists, but they suggested that with this particular service, there would need to be a reliable internet connection of 25 and above megabits per second. Now, with... With both the United States and I think with the UK's reliable internet connection speeds, that ranges anywhere from about 36 to 45. But even then, like you said, internet connection is in a state of flux. There's never a reliable um, turnaround of that. So it means that for using it on something like a tablet or a mobile, which is what they're uh, like niche selling that requires yeah. a, a really strong internet connection. Cause if you're going to use that on the go, you need to make sure that that's reliable every which way, if you're playing a high spec game. And I think that's, that is certainly one of the things that the Google team are going to have to consider. I mean, they've got the exposure for like data centers and servers yeah. in order to back this up. It's just, it's actually getting that over to the user. And while there are some blockchain solutions out there for, this very same thing that apply blockchain technology as a means of providing incentive both to the player but then also to um, the user that will go on to lend their general processing units or GPU Mm -hmm. their issue is scale, cost uh, providing that level kind of incentive and I mean in that sort of sense major companies like Google and potentially Walmart in the future have a like strong initial like point to start from but yeah that's not to say that yeah. they don't have their own limiting factors well, but
1: there's a couple of things that come into this and i think it leads us back to the blockchain conversation as well yeah first thing is google aren't a naturally games-led company and that has always been a problem with non-natural you know, companies aren't actually led by games And even arguably PlayStation, whereas Sony may not itself have been naturally led by games, it quickly became naturally led by the direction of games because of the dominance of the PlayStation 2 in particular uh, on on the way the company operated. Uh, So I think that there's definitely a sort of natural fit there. Microsoft arguably have had pros and cons historically, but... Uh, you know, compared to other companies um, in the sort of tech space, uh, they did at least have dedicated games, you know, ex- you know kind of teams and experiences. Um, so I think we do have this sort of ongoing problem, which uh, I think Google have done gone a long way by some of their choices of hiring. Uh, obviously, uh, that's been a, actually a very positive thing to see. So I think they're definitely got their hearts in the right place, but I still wait to see how well that comes but if they do go down the flat rate model then i'm increasingly thinking that it may come down to something like blockchain to become the the sort of savior of the game developer because if you want to have the perpetual upsell then how are you going to do that well if it's a connected experience uh if you've got an asset mechanism of delivery then maybe you have to look at external ways of getting value into your game that's not necessarily through the service offering. Um, Now, whether that be allowed or not, I don't know, but it feels to me like actually having an instantly ready gaming experience is incredibly powerful. To be able to, to combine that with asset uh, chains like blockchain uh, so that we've got inventory and items that can be brought in through server connections that's really interesting too so i don't know whether that'll be permitted but it feels to me like it could be really positive for the kind of gaming market in general and potentially for blockchain and gamers
0: it is certainly one of those ways in which we have to kind of delve into this conversation at some point in the near future but the the application of private or public blockchains for these kind of solutions because in all honesty i personally i think that with any kind of blockchain project that's out there or even the underlying use of blockchain as a technology for these kind of prod like products is an incredibly useful idea because if you're going to the overhead cost of like listing any of these kind of games and giving them broad as a broad enough marketing platform as possible. Then something like blockchain can really allow for the allocation of the incentives necessary in order to really drive home that economy. So yeah, it is. It is very much about how each side of this perspective can learn from one another. I mean, I know for a fact that with the likes of Plaky, they provide some kind of incentive to those that are willing to lend out their their processing. And for those yeah. that are looking to actually sell on their ecosystem, they don't have to pay anywhere near the kind of overheads that you'd see from a third-party app provider.
1: Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, we're in interesting times, as always. And, you know, the more we think about The way we connect to other players, the way we connect to multiple experiences, and and with five G coming around the corner, uh, a lot of the issues we're having right now about kind of always on availability, so on and so forth, could potentially go away. Um, You know, it's not entirely clear that we've got you know sufficient you know infrastructure bandwidth, the right commercial terms, etc., etc., for consumers to. Truly enjoy the benefits of a platform like that, where you yeah, know latency becomes almost irrelevant. Not, I mean, not quite, but you know, essentially, um, those opportunities that five G could offer us could be astounding. But at the moment, I've heard a lot of talk about it, but I don't know when it's going to be coming, and that that always makes, makes me nervous. I mean, it has spent so much time working in the three G space, and. Um, you know, lots of promises of, of approaches that would happen, which didn't. Um, and although we are now in a so much, you know, vastly different world than the the pre-2003 era, uh, I don't think uh, we can say we've had all of what was promised. So, yeah, let's let's see what happens when they start implementing, you know, 5G networks that allow us to connect to the much deeper and more, uh, you know, faster level. So that we can see if we can get this kind of, you know, Stadia like experience working smoothly.
0: Absolutely. I think only time will tell with this kind of thing, but either which way it's. It's an exciting time for, I mean, both the blockchain space to really get its get itself together and see more institutional interest, and the likes of those that are PC gamers that are looking on at Google Stadia as being this really exciting step forward. But I just uh, wanted to ask as kind of a last question. But I mean, overall, there was a lot of enthusiasm that you you saw during Blockchain Games Next. I mean, what would be the kind of take home message from that conference?
1: Well, I think the the take home for me was there's a lot of people ready to empower game developers to, to get serious about blockchain as a, a part of their mix. Uh, that doesn't mean that everybody has to do it, it's not something that every single game developer will have. But if you can find the right balance between the kind of uh, the development cycle and the costs, and also the audience uh, motivation then we've got something really interesting and audience motivation is a complicated one because a lot of people focus on the idea of earning while you play and as I've said before, um, that's a very kind of sketchy area you've got to be very careful about um, because you've got to realise there's a difference when I play for fun, when I do something when I'm expecting a return And my attitude when I'm being paid is very different than my attitude when I'm helping out a friend. So I think there's some really kind of um, murky waters we've got to pass and, and learn our way through. But if we can get the right balance, then we can create much more complicated and interesting and much more valuable experiences for players that they love. And as long as we focus on creating a game, We make that a game that they love, and then the other benefits come from there, naturally, then we will have greater gaming experiences. Otherwise, we might find a backlash amongst users who simply don't understand what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I completely agree with that.
0: Fantastic. But, Oscar, it was was great to speak to you along last night. I I hope you're able to... uh like approach this week with renewed vigor as it goes on towards with it being such a like hectic last week and weekend for you
1: yeah it's been a it's been a it's been a heavy week but uh i, I am smiling and uh, looking forward to what we do next
0: Yeah, certainly. So am I. And I think we've got some pretty exciting news from the the blockchain gaming side of things. We had the dates announced for Blockchain Gaming Connects in Hong Kong. So that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, now we've got to get some great speakers for that. Um, We're pretty much there in terms of um, um, our Seattle event. But uh, it's really kicking off now to uh, get more and more people speaking at uh, uh, Blockchain Gaming in Hong Kong.
0: Oh, yeah, I think that's, that's got all the ingredients there to make a really fantastic show. It's just a case of putting in the uh, efforts from all of us here, I think.
1: Exactly. Always fun, though. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> okay, James, that's great.
0: Excellent. It was a pleasure speaking to you Thank again. You for
1: having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Take care